Chapter 13 of The Knights of the Square Table This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins Chapter 13 Pooley Defends His Name these chilly October evenings make us boys pay attention to the little old stove in our clubhouse, and our captain ordered that each boy had to bring in every day seven sticks of firewood, the same as we did last winter. I never could figure out why we had to bring just seven. Of course, if anybody brought in more, why, no kick was made. But if he didn't bring seven, he got sent out again for more. And now, with twelve boys in our club, seven sticks each meant eighty-four pieces. And that was enough to keep the little old shack warm enough for two days. But anyway, the firewood was piled up behind the stove, and there was always plenty to keep the stove going. And Perry Stokes saw to it that the fire didn't go out. You've no idea how cold a shack gets even this early in cold weather. But with the way we took care of things, it was always as snug and warm as home. And it was a second home to most of us, who gathered in it every day after school to hold our meetings, and in the evenings to play checkers and to sing, while Lou Hunter played the old melodeon that he called his organ. Maybe some day Lou will play a real organ in a big cathedral. You can never tell. Ever since my old brass horn was stolen, and the tin box in which we kept our dime-a-week dues. I had been pretty careful to see that the clubhouse door was locked tightly every time we left it. I had the only key, and I was always the last one to leave, because I would always stay and write down in this book all the things that happened to our club around this old river bank. Every day I would write down just what happened at our meetings and everything else. So, I was the one who saw the door was locked and the windows fastened. And yet, the thief got in again. This was the third time. And this time, he had taken one of the things that I prized. More than anyone else in our club, I prized that old gun that we had taken away from Roof Rogers a couple of years ago. Now, it was gone, and the door was tight and the windows fast. Nobody had bothered to break the locks or pry the windows, and there was no chimney other than the narrow stovepipe, no way to get in. Yet we had lost things three different times. Now I meant to lay for him. I would get permission to stay down in the clubhouse all night if necessary. You say a boy couldn't do that? Well, I knew a way that I could. Good old Doc Waters, the best friend us boys ever had. He had a way about him that he could tell our mothers that he would take care of us, and that would settle it. I saw Doc Waters that afternoon right after school. He came and told my mother that he would stay with me in the clubhouse, so everything was all right. And when Shadow Loomis and Skinny Link told their mothers, it was all right for them to come down, and all the others too. So there we were, after supper, and old Doc Waters was with us. Doc is almost 45 years old, 
and yet he says he always feels like a boy. He always likes to be with us boys, and I know he was very glad to be with us this night, simply because I had told him about the things that had happened, and he wanted to see what was going to happen. Mind you, I didn't know that anything would happen. Maybe the thief would not come to our clubhouse tonight, but if he didn't, I intended to stay down again some other nights. Well, the first thing we did was to get Lou Hunter at the organ and start in to singing songs that Doc liked. He's got one that he likes best of all, it's Old Kentucky Home, and he always asks us to sing it over two or three times. When we come to the chorus, Doc always joins in, and he has a deep bass voice, and it makes our singing sound grand, I tell you. I can hear it even now as I write. Weep no more, my lady, oh, weep no more for me. I will sing one song. But in the middle of the song, I thought how foolish we were. Here we were, singing away at the top of our voices and expecting that thief to come and try and get into our clubhouse. How foolish! He would never come, as long as he knew all of us boys were there together. No, we must try some trick to get him in. So I sneaked over to Doc Waters, who was sitting on a chair near the coat hooks, talking to Shadow Loomis, who never cared much about singing. Doc, I said, that thief will never come here as long as we keep on singing. I know it, said Doc. Keep on singing. But I want to catch him, I said. You'll never do it, said Doc. But here, Shadow Loomis stepped up. He took my arm and said, I've got a scheme. Will you listen to it, Hawkins? Sure. Let me take all the other boys out somewhere. Nearby, though, where we can watch the clubhouse and see what happens. Make out as if we're all going home. You stay here. Then what? Well, that thief, whoever he is, won't be afraid of you, Hawkins. You stay here. If I'm not mistaken, he'll be anxious to see you alone anyway. Herba Combe told me so. What's Herb been telling you? Never mind. Will you do it? Yeah. All right, then. Tell all the boys, one at a time. Don't break up the singing all at once. Doc Waters grinned as though he thought we were fooling. But we scouted among the boys, telling each one separately of our plan. And our boys have been meeting in this clubhouse for so long that they're pretty well trained. They know how to act when we want to carry out a plan. They nodded their heads, each and every one, without batting an eye and continued to sing. You know, I am pretty much proud of our boys, all for the way they do things. Even Doc Waters says we show a lot more sense sometimes than he gives us credit for, which is something to be proud of. Now, I said to Doc, it's your turn. You've got to start this thing. You go as far as the evergreen bushes on the river path. Shadow and Jerry Moore will join you soon and then the others. You can see from behind those bushes all that goes on in this shack. Doc laughed low. He enjoyed the joke, he said. Although I didn't care much about jokes just at that time. But he got up and as soon as the song ended, he drew open the door and said, Goodbye, boys. See you all tomorrow. 
The boys all hollered, goodbye. Then Doc walked out onto the porch and drew the door behind him. We struck up another song. In a little while, Shadow and Jerry went out, and I followed them onto the porch. Doc was already gone. The boys that were still inside continued to sing. Well, goodbye, fellas, I said. Goodbye, Hawkins, they called out as they went down the steps. And so it went. Little by little, the crowd left. At last, there was only Dick Ferris and Lou Hunter left. The music had died away. Anybody who had been watching the clubhouse now would know that we three alone were left. So I followed Lou and Dick out to the porch and held a lamp to light up the steps. That was a funny thing for me to do. If I had been the fellow watching all this, I would have begun to suspect something. Because why hadn't I held up a lamp for the others to see their way in the steps? I didn't think of it that way, though, until I heard Lou shouting, Good night! Ain't you coming along, Hawkins? No, I gotta do a little writing before I go home. So long, fellas. See you tomorrow. And with that, then, I went back, closing the clubhouse door and going directly to my little writing room. I knew that the spy from Pooley's gang, who had been watching the clubhouse, now would know that I was all alone. I figured out that if he was a brave one, He would lose no time in coming. I figured that, supposing he was hiding about as far as the first row of trees, it would take him only five minutes to come and knock at the door, or window maybe, if he didn't care to show himself at the front of the clubhouse. I sat down at my little desk and picked up my pen, and drew my book toward me as though I intended to write but I kept my eyes upon the little brass clock that ticked away the minutes on my desk, and it wasn't even five minutes. He was here, not at the door, not at the window, but here, right beside me, standing between the parted curtains that hung in the doorway, between the meeting room and my little writing room. Hello, Hawkins, said a quiet, pleasant voice. I looked up. In a second I knew him. I had only seen him once before, but he was one of those you only need to see once to remember a lifetime. It was Pooley himself. Quiet, smiling, handsome Pooley. What a fine-looking boy he seemed that night. He stood there between the door curtains, one hand in his pocket, the other holding the barrel of a gun, whose stock rested on the floor. His boyish face had upon it a look of one who is making a pleasant call. His eyes, blue as the skies, seemed full of kindness. His lips curved in a sincere smile. How could I think that here before me stood the leader of a gang of ruffians who had threatened to wipe us and our clubhouse off the earth? Good evening, I said, returning his smile. How are you, Pooley? So, you remember me, do you? And he laughed. Well, I'm glad. You would be willing to fight me, I suppose. If that's what you came for, I answered. I certainly would try to accommodate you. Sit down, there's a chair. No, thanks. I'd just as leaf stand, he said. Those bushes out yonder, on your beaten path, were shaking too much when I took my last look at them. 
You are a clever guy, Hawkins. I gotta hand it to you. (laughs) Ha! He laughed. I wondered if he thought my boys were out in those bushes, whether or not he cared how loud he laughed. What did you come for? I demanded hotly. For now my mind had gone back to other times when his gang had visited this clubhouse at night, when nobody was here, and had taken things that did not belong to them. What is it that you want to steal tonight, Pooley? I thought he would hit me for that. He uttered a hissing sound between his teeth and came a step closer. He bent over me where I sat. Listen, he said sharply. Don't talk that kind of stuff to me, Secretary Hawkins. You're talking to Pooley, you understand? To Pooley and not to... He caught himself and straightened up. All right, I said, to whom else? Tell me, Pooley, who has been coming here at night after every one of us boys went home? Who has been stealing? Steady there, steady, he broke in holding up his hand. Let's call it something else. I won't have you give me a black name, Hawkins. I'm straight and fair. I'm as good as anybody. I don't let any boy tell me he's better than I am. That's me. Paulie's my name. I'm proud of it. But you wrote this note, didn't you? I asked, taking out from my desk drawer the little slip of pink paper we had found on our return to the clubhouse, after camping out all summer. You wrote that you had a bone to pick. All right, we are ready to pick it with you whenever you and your gang are ready, Pooley. But you said in this note that you were honest fighters and we are. All right, but the first thing that happens is that your gang breaks into this clubhouse and steals our tin money box and an old relic of a brass horn that I had been saving and steady there, steady, broke in Pooley. I never heard about the tin box, nor the brass horn. None of my crew did that. But one of my crew was led astray one night. He did something that he shouldn't, and he told me about it. And believe me, I'm here to tell you, and to show you, that he did the wrong thing. You bet your boots we got a bone to pick with your gang, Secretary Hawkins. And I mean to pick it clean before I get through, you hear me? But before we get started... I want to tell you that it's all going to be fair and square, honest fighting, or else I'm going to chuck up the job of leader of this gang. Lesson I can do it honest, it ain't going to be Pooley's gang that's fighting you. It'll be some new name. I won't lead a gang that ain't fair and square. And so as soon as he told me, I told him he'd done wrong, and I made up my mind I'd come and see you and explain it to you how it was. And here I am, and here's your gun. He held out to me the gun, and I saw then that it was the old gun of Roof Rogers that had disappeared on the last visit of our enemies. Thanks, Pooley, I said, taking the gun. You don't know how much I prize this gun. It's because it once belonged to a boy who... I know, he said with a wave of his hand. I heard all about your Hawkins. You got a habit of keeping things, especially if they belong to fellows who were your enemies. Then he made a turn as if to go. But, wheeling around, he held out his hand and said, "'Here's hoping you'll never want to keep anything to remember me that way.' And, as if by lightning, the oil lamps in the meeting room went out. We two stood there, in my little writing room, in the dim light that came from the little oil lamp on my desk. While I wondered what had happened, 
Pooley suddenly leaned over, and I could have sworn that he blew out the last remaining light. If I had only kept my head then, I might have discovered what happened after that. But the minute that the last light went out, I raised my voice and yelled loudly for Doc and the boys, who were waiting in the evergreen bushes on the river path. I heard a mocking laugh. I got slowly out of my chair and felt around in the dark for Pooley. But he was gone. Of course he was gone. What a fool I had been not to think of a trick. I struck a match and went towards one of the lamps in the meeting room. A loud knocking came at the door. Hawkins! came many voices, Doc Waters among them. I wondered how strange that they should not open the door and come in. Of course, I had locked it. But hadn't Pooley come in and... Hawkins! All right! I unlocked the door. In rushed the boys, Doc Waters behind them. Who was here? demanded Shadow Loomis. Pooley, I said. Didn't you see him come in? Didn't see him come in or go out, answered Shadow. And we were watching every second. We could see the windows and the door. Nobody came near the clubhouse. Well, how did he come in then? I asked. Shadow Loomis walked up to me. We heard you yell, he said. We didn't see anybody, Hawkins. Are you sure you did? For answer, I lifted the gun that stood beside my desk. If I didn't, I said. How would you say this gun got here? This is old Roof Rogers' gun that was stolen the other night. Pooley brought it back. Pooley was here. I was talking to him. He has a secret way of entering our clubhouse, and it's up to us to find where it is. And believe me, fellas, we will find out in a short time. Which we did. End of chapter 13